Okay, so here we are, Parshas Miketz. Miketz means the end, but where are we? What's going on over here? Because I know last week we didn't actually have class. I heard from the rabbi that that sort of fell through. I wasn't here last week. Um, last you're right, week, you're right. right? What was last week's Parsha for a second? Yeah. No, yeah. Vayeshev. What happened in last week's parsha? Cliff notes. Cliff notes quickly. Yosef interpreted the dreams. Well, first Yosef has dreams. Yes. He starts off. It starts off with Yosef's dreams, and it ends off with the butler and the baker's yeah. dreams. And we have all the drama oh, in the middle of Yosef being sold. And who? Blah 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 blah. What? Did you Good. She the parsha. We did some of it. We just read. Okay. Okay. The seder go more. Oh right. Everything, I wasn't here. No, she was here, and then we had another class, and then she came back, because we didn't have a teacher. Okay. <laughs> Mayano dramas, Baruch Hashem. Okay, so last, week we had, so last week we had a total of four dreams. Yosef had two, the butler and the baker each had one, and in the middle we had all the drama of the brothers, and, Yosef, and then Yehuda's situation. That was last week, okay? What was the end of last week's Parsha? I can tell Good. Look back in the, in, the, in the videotape. What happened at the end of last week's Parsha? Yosef interprets the dreams of the butler and the baker, and he says to the, but, he says to the butler, what was the butler, who, right? The butler was going to... He was, he was going to... Uh, uh, be reinstated. Yeah, and the other one was going to be executed. So what did he say to the butler? Please remember me. And what is the par- how does the Parsha end? Look back. How does he end? How does it end? Uh, wait, not, wait. Yeah. Oh, he did not remember, but he forgot him. Not only did he not remember him, but he forgot him. He That's didn't remember him, so and he mean. forgot him. So mean. So mean. So, so mean is going to continue over here, okay? Um, so here we have, now. so now what's going on? Here we are, Mikates. We're at the end of two years. Remember, Rashi says that because Yosef asked the butler for intervention, he ends up with two more years in jail. Okay. Now, if we would have said, oh, my new cellmate is going to be released and have the ear of the king and I should maybe put in a good word, that for us would be considered very normal making a little vessel for God's blessing to come through. But for somebody of Yosef's stature, that was considered not believing Hashem because he was saying, this is going to be the avenue by which I will be redeemed. Instead of saying, you know, Maybe this could this this could be one of the things. Instead of him, he came to the butler and he said, "You are you will be my salvation." I was sold in the whole situation, right? Because he put so much um, faith in the butler. For somebody of his stature, it was considered not the highest level of belief in Hashem. I want to go out on, on a limb and say it. I'm not even going out on a limb. For us, that would be beyond amazing. If that was what we did, we'd be fine. Like, that would not be considered, like, not trusting in Hashem. That would be, like, you know, the joke with the guy, he's, he's drowning, and a boat comes, and I trust in yeah. God, right? I sent you a boat, I sent you a helicopter. So for us, it would be very normal. But for Yosef, it was not. Now, why do I say that? What's Yosef's title in Chumash? Or, like, in the, in, the, in the good books, what do we call Yosef? The dreamer? Well, some people call him the dreamer, but what, is, what, are, the, what, are, the, what are the sages call him? Print? No. Nope. That's the movies. Tzavna Paneah. is what the Chumash calls him. He's called Yosef Hatzadik. Uh-huh. He's called Yosef Hatzadik. There are very, very, very few people who actually get that as their title. We have Avram Avinu, we have Moshe Rabbeinu, and we have Yosef Hatzadik. So when we look at Yosef's life, and we didn't have a chance to look at it last week together, but 
one of the things that is so important for us to remember, and I know I repeat myself if I've, if I've spoken about it last week, when we, last year when I spoke about Yosef, Yosef Hatzadik is how we have to look. That's the lens with which we need to look at his life. Because in general, we talk about this with the Barisha stories, they're so on shot level, they are, a lot of them are just weird. They're just like, what? How is this, you know, how are these righteous people? How is that possible? So then we say, oh, well, you know, they're like us, but not really. No, no, no. That's not how Hasidus looks at our, our forefathers and our foremothers. That's not how, how the, the Talmud looks at them. Yosef is called Yosef and Sadiq. That means when we look and we talk about his conversations with his brothers and this, and even in this partial, we're going to see stuff that he does. And we're like, that seems a little weird. We need to say we're missing a part of the puzzle. There's a part of the puzzle, the Yosef Hatzadik part of it, and what are we missing in this conversation? He's not just being vindictive to his brothers, he's actually doing something very, very special and holy for them. So let's open up our parsha. What's going on? After the end of, at the end of two years, Paro Cholem. If you remember your Hebrew, Cholem is dreaming, but what tense is it? Present. He's present tense. He's actively dreaming, and the, and the Medr says... That, ya, that, sorry, that Paro Cholem, for two years, he had the same dream every single night. It wasn't that he once had a dream and he woke up and he was disturbed, but the measure says that he actually had the dream every single night for two years. And finally, he reaches a breaking point. Okay, that's, that's, that's one little uh, thing over there. Okay, and what's his dream? Oh, he was seeing seven fat, cow- uh, yeah. fat cows that just ate something and then they got skinny and then... No, they no, 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 that's not what happened. Look they inside, look inside. Wait a ate. second. Emma, take a look. And they and- ate each other. Exactly. The fat cows didn't eat something and get skinny. That would make sense to us. Oh, sorry. That would make sense to us. If they, the fat cows suddenly became skinny. That's not the dream. What's the dream? The skinny cows ate the fat cows right. and they didn't get fat. Right, so he sees these fat cows... Then all of a sudden he sees these skinny cows come up over. The skinny cows eat the fat cows, and there's no sign of them. Okay. And also the axis, they they this the, the ugly axis like ate the or like. I'm not understanding the word that you're saying. Oh, sorry. Um, that was a mix of Swedish. And I was going to say I think that might not be an English word. The grain, the grain, exactly. exactly. I was like, I know what you're trying to say, but it's not coming out in English. Okay, but I want to point out something else. You're right. He actually has he has two dreams, and his second dream is where he sees these fat ears of whatever stalks of wheat, um, and and then he has the skinny stalks of wheat that eat the. I don't even know how that happens. How does how does wheat eat other wheat? I don't know. Whatever. But and but but then and then there's no sign of them. Okay. There's also seven skinny cows. There's seven fat cows and seven skinny cows. And then we have seven fat grains and seven skinny grains. But something happens very, very important in the middle. Okay, if you look in chapter 21, chapter 41, verse 4, what is the end? It says, Vaikat paro. This is after the dream with the with the with the cows. Right? He, he awoke. Paro wakes up. But then what happens in the next puzzle? He falls asleep again. He goes back to sleep. And then what does he have? The then he has a second dream. Then he has a second dream, right? Then he has a second dream about the grain. Rabbi Torsky has an amazing, amazing insight over here. He says that many times in our life, we see a problem. There's, there's going to be an issue with me. Some, something's going on over there, right? It's not okay. 
but we ignore it. We wake up, we see the problem, and then we go back to sleep and we pretend it'll be okay. Nothing's gonna, it's, it's not a problem. It'll work itself out. But when we ignore that first problem, then we end up with a bigger problem. Because as Rabbi Tversky says, you can live without meat, but you can't live without bread. I know today that's probably like not common uh, fatty type of eating, right? Where, where carbs are like the evil incarnate of everything, and, and, right? But, but meat is a luxury, and you don't have to have it. And sometimes, and, and what Rabbi Tversky's point was, that sometimes in our life we see a problem in something that not so integral to us or to what we need to be or need to do. And we're like, eh, it's fine. I'm going to just ignore that situation. And we go back to sleep, but it isn't fine. And that is an underlying issue for something bigger. And all of a sudden, whoa, we have an issue with our grain. There's something very, very vital for us that now becomes a problem that had we dealt with the problem the first time we, we encountered it, it wouldn't have happened. But because we said, it's not necessary. I could live without that. It'll be fine. All of a sudden, now we're in a crisis. Now we're in a real famine. Okay? And, um, and so then what happens? So then what happens? We have, he has these two things. In the morning, Paro is freaking out. Right? He's freaking out. And he calls all his magicians. And they can't interpret it. Now, spoiler. Do we know what Yosef's going to actually end up saying? What's, right, we know. Here's, I'm not shocking anybody. We're going to get Yosef. He's going to interpret the dreams. What does Yosef say? He says that it's not me who reveals this to It's God. Right. But then what is he, what's his interpretation? What does he say? Uh, that's seven years and seven years of family. Right. Maybe seven years. And, and everybody wants to know what's so brilliant about that. Why couldn't anybody else come up with that? Like, now we're, yes, we're Monday morning, we're Monday morning quarterbacking it, but we're looking at it, we're like, seems common sense. Looks like good, looks like bad. Okay, store food. Like, what's, what's so, why did nobody else hop it? Why did nobody? That was the way that Hashem farmed Okay, that's one answer. Correct. That's one way that Hashem was going to bring him out. Or why, like, why would there have been a famine in Egypt? Like, why was there a famine coming to Egypt if we're always the ones going down to Egypt to get food? Okay, so, right, right. So, the, so, the, like, so why would people there be like, oh, we're going to have a famine? Okay, so, so, the, so what's interesting, what's interesting is that what actually frustrates everybody in their, in their dream interpreting is the fact that the fat cows and the skinny cows are, are there together. They're standing, both of them are at the banks of the river at the same time. Now, if you saw fat cows that ate something and became skinny, you would understand Hunger is coming. If you saw one followed by the other, you would understand, oh my gosh, something's going on. But the fact is, what Yosef sees, is he, what, Yosef's, what the dream was, fat cows, skinny cows, and then there's like this thing, and then there's nothing left, right? And what they didn't understand, and this is what Yosef really is going to point out to them, is that there is a place where the plenty and the, and the famine have to live side by side. They have to exist, exist side by side. And that was something that was missing both in their mentality so they couldn't see it as a projection. What does it mean to have famine and, and plenty living side by side? So the Rebbe asked a question, and many people ask a question, 
why, why does Yosef, after he gives his interpretation, he then gives a solution to the problem? Nobody asked you for solutions, right? We asked you to interpret the dream. What's this business? And you should appoint a wise person and you should store food and blah, blah, blah. Why? Why are you giving a solution? Like, okay, now we know it's nice if you have, if you see a problem and you can come up with a solution, that's very nice. But the Rebbe says more than that, that the solution is part of the dream. And the solution that Yosef sees is the fact that they will coexist together means that that, what does that mean? That means when, it's, when you have lots of food, you need to store food for when you don't have food. That he's just, he's just, he's not giving an additional interpretation. He's giving, he's interpreting the dream. You have this, you have this. And for them to, for that to coexist together, that means that you need to, in the time of plenty, remember it's going to get bad. And then we're going to have to sort of, we should store when we have for when we don't have. And what's interesting, and more modern commentaries talk about the idea that, why does he need a, he says, we need an ish chacham benavon. We need a very wise person to, to do this job. Like, why do you need to be a wise person? Why can't you just be an accountant who says, like, take off? And one of the things that they're talking about is that it is our tendency to say, it's good. Everything, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna get bad. It's gonna get bad. So we have to save, but we don't have to save today. Like, we'll save, we have seven years of plenty. So in the first year, Nobody's panicking that we should put aside money for a rainy day in case the boiler breaks or whatever, right? We don't, we don't have to worry about that now. We'll worry about that. And we push off the saving and, the, and that part till because we have so much time to prepare for the famine. So we don't say, it's urgent, we need to do it right now. So a chacham v'navon is somebody who's going to understand that unless we actually plan and budget it, you know, in a, in a normal way, so we don't have to live, spend our whole salary on a glorious vacation now, because, you know, Oria, life is, the, the reality of life is that it never stays at a high. Life is a roller coaster of sorts. One second, I see you, but I'm gonna, right? Life is ups and downs. If you think that when I'm at the peak, this is gonna be what it's, this is what it's like forever, you are in for a massive, massive shock because that is just not true. And the same thing, if you're at the bottom and you're like, this is what it's always going to be like and it's never going to get better, that's also not true. And what Yosef is really telling, he's telling the Egyptians, he's telling Pyro, that in this famine situation, when we have plenty, we need to start to store, we need to put stuff away so that we have for the bad times. And Hasidus explains, we're not only talking about grains in Egypt, we're talking about times in our life when we are spiritually full. We want to say, we're here and we're learning Torah and everything's amazing and it's always going to be like that. No, that's not how it is. We aren't always living on this high of like, yay, you know, I'm, I'm learning Torah, I'm in Jerusalem, I'm so excited. Sometimes we get like, eh, you know, it's getting into the winter and it's like a little schleppy. Okay, we need to store from the times when we are excited and things are so full and our spiritual life is so rich and say, how do I put aside some of that inspiration for times when I'm not so inspired, for when I'm not so on fire, I need to be able to borrow from that energy in order to have it for when I really need it. So it's, yes, we're talking about, we're talking about grain, but we're also very, very much talking about our lives and you know, you know, this, this place of our spiritual, our spiritual sustenance you know, we talk a lot about grain being, you know, you know, with 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 uh, chachma and stuff like that. 
which we're not going to get into right now, but if we think it's always going to be like this, it's always going to be like, then, then we're in for a shock when life sort of gets busy and hectic and we don't have a chance to sit and daven first, you know, as much as we could when we were learning or we can't learn for hours on end. We get to just, you know, whatever, when things become more, more complicated. So that's, that's my first plug from Yosef is that we should, we are, we are in a place of plenty right now. Even if it's Teves and it's a little bit whatever, we are in a place of plenty. There's lots of Torah, lots of opportunities around us. And we should make sure that we're actually aware that we are, we are, we are saving some of that. We're putting some notes of things that we really love in a place that we'll be able to easily access when we're less inspired. Now I'm going to take you, Emma. Yeah, uh, sorry. It was just okay. a small thing on the other thing you said that uh, they need to be a wise man. Was it also so that this wise man could, like, a part of... He technically saved the Egyptian economy, too, because of the neighboring countries and, like, like Joseph's family. and Correct, and, but, but, right, so the question is, why can't you just take... An accountant. I I I, oh. I guess because like that person wouldn't also take into consideration like the, the that is that doesn't only need to be for the Egyptian people. Like if you underestimate also for the neighboring countries and like that benefited the Egyptian economy and it flourished like May, like massively, yeah. absolutely massively, absolutely massively. It it totally. That means the place of the wise person in 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 um in Perkyavis it talks about who is a wise person. somebody who sees the future. Um, and, and to be able to think visionary and not just, I need this much, but to be able to think this, correct, that's part of what's being needed here. We don't just need an accountant or an agriculturist who's going to say, what's the best way to store the grain? But we need somebody who's going to be able to really... Meaning see the future and like... And work for it and prepare for it and prepare for it. And one of the very beautiful things that I, 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 was, I was, when I was preparing, again, one of the more modern, modern commentaries talks about the idea that they've done studies, which I didn't actually see, I didn't see it, you know, he didn't bring it in the, in the, in the about people's perception of themselves as old people. They, they, they've done studies about, like, how do you react to a stranger? How do you react to a family person? How do you react to a sibling, to a parent, to, you know, some relative? How do you react to yourself? How, how do you relate to yourself in 20 years? And the studies have shown that people look at themselves in 20 years as absolute strangers. They don't say, oh, in 20 years, if I want to be whatever in 20 years, what do I need to do now in order to get that way? Like, do we live in the now and say, I'm only talking to myself over here. I promise you. I'm not. If this, if this relates to you at all, then it's only an accident. But if over Hanukkah, you happen to have tasted multiple donuts that were very yummy and some that were not so very yummy, that's a now, that's a now thing. That's not saying, is this good for me long term? You know, am I breathing? Am I stretching? Am I exercising? All of those things. Am I, am I developing my relationship with Hashem? All of those, if we, we need to, we, we, so often get stuck small and we don't think long-term and we don't think what would I say to myself, you know, the, in 20 years, you know, we always talk about what would I say to my younger self? Well, what would I say to my older self? Like, am I taking care of my older self now? Did that make any sense mm-hmm. in English? It made, sense in my, it made sense in my head. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really only giving myself like a smack in the head because I know that I'm not doing it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I'm like, it's going to be fine. And everything's, I'm going back to sleep after, after seeing a smaller problem instead of saying, maybe, 
maybe this is something that I should you know pick up pick up different points that have long term ramifications. And I'm I'm saying both physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Like we 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 can't just say it'll be fine. If we don't do something now, it will not be fine when we get to that ripe old age of whatever we consider a ripe old age. You know, like we do have to put those things into, into motion. We're not going to suddenly... I was watching my, my, my daughters, you know, exercising, and I'm like, do I get any benefit just from watching them? <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I should. I gave birth to them, right? I should get some kind of benefit. Right? Like second-hand smoke works, so second-hand exercise work. I don't know. It should, right? It doesn't. I know it does. It should, but it doesn't. But, uh, but really, that, that's really part of the conversation of storing, of preparing for the future, is what are we doing? Are we paying attention to who we're going to be? Are we treating ourselves so that we will be an amazing person in 20 years? Or are we, or are we, or are we talking not nicely to ourselves now? Are we down on ourselves now so that we're not able to get past that? You know, we have to undo all those layers of us calling ourselves an idiot? No, like let's stop now. Let's start treating ourselves like we want to have healthy people in our future because that's who we are. It's so interesting because like even now, like during this year, like I mean it hasn't happened often, but like recently when I went through a moment of like of like what am I doing kind of thing, just reminding myself what I want in the future is Correct. like helpful to like exactly now. Exactly. That that's exactly what you need to do because or else you just like what do I want to do now? I want to get under the covers with Ben and Jerry's. Like, that's what I want to do now. I don't want to get up and fight the cold and, and be a productive human being. But, but can I get past my now? And that's really one of the things that we're going to get from Yosef. Can we get past the right now? What do I want to do now? And it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's not fun always. But if we can say, my life is more than just right now, then we can bring... You know, we can bring life and vitality into what it is that we're doing because we're going to be here, please God, for a very long time, for a very long time. And that should be, you know, we should, we should treat ourselves like we're going to be here for a long time, both spiritually and physically. How, how do you find a balance of living in the now and, but also like preparing for the future? Because like I have a tendency to... This is a good for bringing question. It is not good for now, but it is a fantastic <laughs> for bringing question. Write it down. Write it down because we will forget that question. That's a fantastic for bringing question. Um, kind of on the points that you're talking about when it says here that Pharaoh seeks out a discerning mm-hmm. and wise man and then let him appoint overseers in the land for the next seven years. So it's like you think about that and he has to, to your point have the wisdom and discernment to think in the now and the long term. Exactly, exactly. And also the plan and the strategy to execute it because if you need to hire a group of people and men for seven years, you have to... You have to plan this. You have to plan this is, strategy yes. on the this micro is, and the macro. Exactly. And you so, have yeah. to be... And, and as Emma pointed out, if you're really smart, you're going to say, we could, we could cash in on this. Like, yeah. we, we're, like we're, the, we're, the, we're like at the bottom of the Fertile Crescent. Like, there's a lot of people going to be coming to us Potentially, right. which, which is what's going to actually happen. Okay, now I want to say one more thing. I really want to get us off the first idea here, but yeah. we're not off yet. Picture Yosef in the pit. Okay? Yosef, when we talk about he was in Pharaoh's dungeon, there was no ACLU, there was no Wi-Fi, there was no television, there were no human rights. Okay? Mm-hmm. He's in an Egyptian dungeon, like exactly what it sounds like. And we, in our worst imaginations, 
Thank God, cannot imagine what that was like. He's there, and things are terrible. Things are not good. And he thinks to himself, or he could think to himself, um, how did he end up in this pit? Because the wife of Potiphar wanted to have relations with him, and he didn't give in to her. He didn't give in to her. He did the right thing, right? He did the right thing, and what's his reward? Boom, you're in the dungeon. You're in the dungeon for a long time. I think he was there for a total of 12 years. He was there for 10 years before the butler and the baker come. He's there for another two years afterwards, and he's like, this is my reward for doing the right thing? That's awesome, right? But let's play the story differently. Let's say Yosef never ended up in the dungeon. He ended up in Potiphar's house. He was an amazing manager. He didn't have to sleep with her, right? Let's say he spoke to his master, everything worked out. He's an amazing manager. Potiphar, his, his house runs like a dream. Did Yosef live up to his potential in Potiphar's house? No. No, because his potential isn't just to be a manager of one guy's house. His potential is to rule the world. And had he stayed in Potiphar's house, had he stayed in Potiphar's house, what would have happened? He would have had this great, he would have had a great salary, things would have been nice, and he would have been a successful manager. And then in 120 years, God would have said, hello, you were supposed to save the world, right? But that's not what happens. He ends up in a place where it's so dark and so and he could easily have said to himself, this is my reward for doing the right thing. But in a second, in a second that switches, and we have what happens is that, the, that he's called out of the pit. Really, it's 12 years. It's a long time. I'm not, I'm not diminishing it at all. But he's all, in a second, he goes from being a, 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 a prisoner in the pit in such a terrible state within... Okay, it's not minutes. It took a day, whatever. And all of a sudden, he's the, he's the Mishnah Lamelch. He's the viceroy of Egypt. That's like a boomerang transformation that would not have happened had he stayed in Potiphar's house. Had he stayed in Potiphar's house. So, what does it say to us? That there's always times in our life where we're like, really? Really? This is where I am? This is what I'm supposed to be doing? This is my reward for doing the right thing? It's dark. It's cold. It doesn't feel inspired. It doesn't feel like we're being celebrated for what we're doing. And we need to know that really, 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 this is not the end of the story. This is not the end of the story. This is going to be the springboard for something bigger and better for us. There's no other answer for it. There's no other way for that to, for that to be. I'll tell you a story, a quick story. Wait, Emma first? No. I, no, you know. Oh, I, I, I just question. real quick. Does he um, get thrown in the dungeon after he, Pharaoh gives his daughter for marriage? Or is no, 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 no. That was before. No, no, no. Before he was thrown in the dungeon. Oh, way before. Okay, way before. Way before. Okay. Way before. He's 17 years old. Oh, okay. He's old this as a slave. All... That was last week's partial. We missed it. That was last week. Oh. That happened last week. He's okay. thrown in the dungeon. That okay. was last week. Okay. Old news. Old news, Hadassah. Okay. Sorry. Now he's coming out. He's, he's going to be 30 when he comes to Pharaoh. When he stands in front of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh, the Chalmish is going to tell us that he's 30 oh, years he's old. 30. He's what 30. He had. Right? 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 He's yeah. still, and he's still very young, right? Yeah. Um, he ends up ruling Egypt for 80 years. 80. By the way, 80. 80 years. Wow. He's 100. Uh, he's 110 when he passes away. 
So he ends up being the ruler for a very long time over there. Um, no, lo- a longer. What am I talking about? Yeah, yeah, or 70, right, 110. Yeah, yeah. Never, Look at what? He stayed. He never left. He never left. He never left. Um, um, I forgot what I was saying. You were going to tell a story. Oh, tell a story. I'm going to tell you a quick story. So there's a story that's told about um, it was a boy who, uh, who was a terrible student. And, um, and he couldn't learn. And his parents tried to get him to learn. And he just like couldn't, 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 couldn't. Then finally, he hears his parents speaking. And they say to, they, the one says to the other, listen, we've tried. It's just none of it, none of it is sticking in his head. Like, this is a waste of, it's like a waste of an effort. Like, let's give it up. There's somebody in the town who's a shoemaker or a something. And we can, our son could be an apprentice to him. And at least he'll have a good trade. He'll be an honest Jew, and he'll have a he'll have a good trade, and it'll be great. And um, and he hears this from the side, and he bursts out crying. And he goes to his parents and says, "Give me one more chance. I really, really, really want this." And he goes back, and it really, his tears and his effort, and all of a sudden he becomes he he's learning and he's growing, and he's his Torah knowledge is amazing. And he actually grows up and he becomes the Nitziv and he becomes the Yeshiva, he becomes the Rosh Yeshiva of the, of the Velazhni Yeshiva. And he wrote, he wrote Svarim, many, many, many Svarim. And he said about his, his life, he said that, you know, change my trajectory. Say I, did, say I ended up being an apprentice. I would have gone, lived my whole life. I would have been an honest I would have been an honest shoemaker. I would have said my tillim. I would have davened with a minion. And in 120 years, I would have gone to, I would have stood before the king and, I, and he would say, where's the Migdala Emek? Where's the, where's the, where are the books? And, he's, and I'm going to say to him, what books? I don't know what you're talking about. Where are the books you were supposed to read? You were supposed, sorry, you were supposed to write. Where's the tire you're supposed to share with the world? Would I have lived a bad life? No, I wouldn't have lived a bad life. Would I have lived my destiny life? No, I would not have lived my destiny life. So I want to give us all a bracha right here, right now. We need to think big about what our destiny is. We have to th- say, not what do I think I'm capable of, but what really can I do? What does the Jewish people, what does Hashem need me to be doing? Big. And sometimes big is going to be making sure that the laundry is done and the food is cooked. And sometimes it's going to be getting out of my comfort zone and talking to people and teaching. And it doesn't matter. It might be I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to, be a, an, I'm going to invent something. It doesn't matter what it is. But don't say I'm not capable. We need, Hashem put us here, each and every one of us. We have a mission in life. And we have to think big. We have to not say my circumstances right now are so dark and so gloomy. It's not possible. It's going to change. Things are going to turn around. What I need to do is to remember that I am a body and a soul together. Hashem has a mission for me. What do I need to do? What's my right foot, left foot? What's my next step to get me to where my goal is? Because it's not possible that there is no plan. It's not possible. There has to be a plan. There has to be a a big plan for all of us. Um, So that's my bracha to all of us, that we we should... get a little sense of what it is that we're capable of and really step into that and, and, and flourish it in, in that space. Okay. We got a little bit. We, we got through the first Aliyah. Yay, <laughs> points for us. <laughs> so Yosef, surprise, surprise. Yosef is amazing and Yosef does the job. 
and and he says that the reason that we have this this doubled uh, this doubled dream is because this is happening asap and um, and then the third aliyah is that um, he says he says to uh, if you see in the beginning of uh, the third aliyah which is chapter forty one verse thirty nine lamites Paris speaks about Yosef and he says wow is there anybody as wise and as amazing as you Hashem is with you and you will be in charge of everything. You're the man now, right? So Parah takes off his, his... Oh, this is what I wanted to say to you for a second. Um, and, and, you know, we were talking about the, the, the butler forgetting him. And I said that isn't the only kind of thing that he did. But um, if you go back for a second, um, chapter 41 of the first Aliyah, in verse, in verse 9... So the, the butler speaks up and he says that he's, you know, Parah's looking for an interpreter. So he says that once Parah was upset at me and I was put into jail with the baker and there, and we both had a dream. And then in verse 12, he says, V'shami tanu, and with us there, nar ivri eved, there was a, a lad, a Jewish person, a servant, like, Right? Um, and he was a he was a he was a a servant to the to the to the manager, and he, we told him the dreams, and he interpreted the dreams for us, right? And Rashi says, why is it necessary for him to add these snarky words? Like, why could you just say there was a, we had a, there was a guy in the jail, and he interpreted the dreams for us? Why do you have to say nar eved ivris like you know like this? Young Jewish slave, like Jew is not considered, you know, was not considered a, a great appellation then, and a slave, and all these things. So Rashi says, because he's reminding Paro, don't be too excited with this guy, because the rule in, in Egypt is that a servant, a slave, is never allowed to be a ruler. Okay? So he's telling Paro, by the way, it was a slave, like, don't give this per- don't get too many illusions of grandeur. Now, for a second, if somebody comes and saves Paro's life and gives him peace of mind after this terrible dream, he's going to be impressed with him, right? And, and, and Rashi points out that that is the power of the first impressions. He's planting a seed in Paro's head. You're not going to like this guy. Like, don't go, don't, go too, don't go too crazy with him. Now, the truth of the matter is that in spite of what the, 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 <laughs> the, the, the butler says, Paro is very impressed with, with Yosef. But the, 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 the Mepharshim highlight the idea of this place of being careful how we talk because we sometimes make disparaging marks unnecessarily. Here, he was, it was very, Rashi says, it was intentional. He definitely had an agenda over here. He did not want, like, it's great for Pyre to get his answer, but he, this, this, this kid should not become elevated over me. Like, you know, please, like, that's not going to happen. So he's, if that was done, that was done intentionally, but how many times do we sort of, Say something, and it ends up being, you know, more than not helpful, um, and and that's and that's something, just something to think about. Like, it's it's so easy to knock somebody down, and it's so much more important to help build somebody up, especially if it doesn't cost anything to you. Um, so, in the conversation of how you know he's getting his last, you know, kick in the head in over there. So yeah, that was that was him. Can I just ask? Yes. Didn't uh, Joseph lo- lose his uh, slave status when he became the manager of? Um... Uh, it's coming out of prison. 
No, no, but he's in prison. From prison? What are you in, what are you in prison? Yeah, but like if he, I don't know, if it's like the same, like in Jewish law, it's like they put the thing in yeah. the air, and then they're like a free person. And when, so I thought like Putifar did something like that to Joseph, and then he threw him in, in jail. I don't know. I don't know. But I don't, but know. I don't know. A, I don't know. So that's the first thing. I don't know. But I would imagine that having spent 12 years in jail would have marked him in a, in a very deep way as well socially. Yeah. We see it today. We see it today. You know, people coming out of prison have a very hard time being re- rehabilitated. It's 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 not so simple. So, but it, but in, in, and in spite of all that, Yosef's able to manage. He's thirty years old, and everything flourishes and things are doing really really well. They they store tons of food. Okay, um, and then what happens? And the and the and the hunger spreads. Okay. Go to chapter 42. See, we've been with another chapter. Okay? The hunger spreads to the land of Canaan. Vayar Yaakov, and Yaakov sees ki shever b'mitzrayim, that there is, the word shever has many, many uh, meanings. Um, and one of the meanings, uh, one of the meanings is, first of all, it could be grain. He sees that there's something there, but shever means hope. And shever also means, we know, from shvira, to break. Yaakov in Kabbalah says that Yaakov saw that there were spiritual sparks in Egypt to be collected. Now Yaakov, Yaakov does not know what he's seeing. He sees in Ruach HaKodesh that there's something there. And, and, the, and the Chumash is very clear to tell us that the brothers were not starving. They were not starving at this point. But Yaakov is very nervous about what is the perception around the people, of the people around them that they're like, don't live conspicuously, conspicuously in the time of famine, like you're not suffering, it's not hard for you, and so he tells the he tells the brothers go down to Egypt and go get go get grain, and um, and go see go see uh, go go let's we're gonna run out of food, so why not be proactive so these neighbors don't get jealous and go get food, okay? So um, so he says to them. He says, in verse 2, he says, Redu Shama, go down there and get us some, some bread. And if you take a look at Redu, um, uh, Emma, how much, look at the word Redu in the Chumash, it's Pasuk Beis, verse 2, chapter 42, verse 2. You find it in Hebrew, I want you to find it in Hebrew, find the word in Hebrew. In Hebrew. Oh, 40, I have 42 here. Okay, 40, chapter 42, verse 2. Beis. Yeah. Now find the word redo. It's about halfway through the verse. Uh, um, oh, yeah, I found this one. Okay, now the question is, what's the numerical value of the word redo? Uh, it is... No. What's a dalid? Four. Right. So not forty. Two. Add a reish is two hundred. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, two hundred. Oh, um, two hundred and ten. Two hundred and ten. And Yaakov is in 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 Ruach Hakodesh is telling the people his children, you're going to go down to Egypt now for two hundred and ten years. The Jews actually end up spending. Redu Shannon. They spend 210 years in Egypt before they're going to be redeemed. Um, 
And so he's, he's saying go down to Egypt. He, redu means to go down, but the numerical value is 210, and that's exactly what the, the, the exile is going to be. And the brothers of Yosef go down, um, and, and Yaakov is not taking Benjamin. He's like, not... not but what's... Um, we have a very interesting thing over here, right? It, Rashi says, it says, Vayirdu Achi Yosef, that Yosef's brothers go down, and they are, um, they are going with a mission. What is their mission? Can we stop our father's pain? Because they know that the last time they saw their brother, he was being sold in the direction of Egypt. So they're going to get food. They are also going to look for their brother. And their father tells them, go through different entrances because they're very tall and handsome and he doesn't want there to be an Ayin Hara. The brothers have another motivation. They're going to look for Joseph. And they're ready to go, and we're going to have this in next week's Parsha. They are go, they're going to go look for him, and they want to bring him home. Because they see that their father is 22 years, and he is not comforted. He's still in pain. He's still in mourning. And they, this, is not, this is not a good scenario. Okay? And what happens is, is that when they come in, um, they take a look. Take a look at chapter 42, verse 6. Okay, so they all come, all the brothers come in, and they, Yosef is the ruler. He's giving food to everybody. So the brothers of Yosef come, and what happens in verse 6? Rina, what happens to them? We need some English over here. I don't have it in English. Okay. And Emma, what do they do? They, they bow down to him. And they bow down to him. Ding, 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 ding. Does anybody remember? What's your hyperlink? We're, who saw this happening? Yosef. this is his dreams. This is his dreams. His brothers are coming. They're bowing down to him. Okay? And Yosef sees his brothers. And he recognizes them. And he's going to speak very, very harshly to them. Yosef recognizes his brothers. And they don't recognize him. Okay? Now Rashi says... That they didn't recognize they didn't recognize him because because uh, he had a beard. He'd been sold as a seventeen year old. Now he's thirty, and he changed so much, and they just didn't recognize him. Okay. Um, the other thing that 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 talks about is this is my take on the Hasidus. So, um, have you ever looked for something in your house? You're looking for something in the refrigerator. And you can't find it. And you're like, Ma, where is the ketchup or whatever? And she's like, it's, on the fr- it's in the fridge on the, on the right-hand side on the, you know, to, on the second shelf. And you look, and it's right there. You were looking at it. You were looking at it. Yeah. And you just didn't see it? It's a mom power. It's a mom power. But it's, <laughs> but, but it's also the expectation of it. There's also the expectation. Yosef's brothers don't see him. He is literally standing in front of their face. And he doesn't recognize them because in their wildest dreams, they did not picture him there. Yeah. They did not picture. Where do they go looking for him? Yeah. In the slave markets, right. as the street cleaners. Wow. Where could Yosef have ended up? They, in their wildest dreams, they did not imagine that the ruler of Egypt was their brother. Wow. And so when he was right in front of their nose, they didn't see him. They just didn't see him. Yosef recognizes them. And Yosef says, and we have... Two minutes, so I'm going to... We didn't finish a parasha. Shocking but true. 
Yosef says to himself, the first part of the dream came true. The brothers have bowed to me. And we're going to talk about this more next week, why that was so important. What I need to do now, and this is where we're, we're going to see this is going to happen the rest of the parsha. He is going to he is going to play the pieces so that he reenacts the sale of Yosef. He wants the brothers to have a chance to do tshuva, and so he is going to speak to them harshly. He's going to treat them harshly. He's going to throw them in prison. He's going to separate them, and later on when he's going to have Binyamin come down and this whole shebang, he is going to play them against each other. And he's going to say, he's going to have all the children of Leah on one side, and they're going to have the children of Yosef, sorry, the children of Rachel on the other side. Binyamin's going to be on, at the end of the partial, which we did not get to, but here's another shocking story. He's going to accuse, Yosef, he's going to accuse Binyamin of stealing his goblet. Sounds vaguely familiar, right? He's going to accuse Binyamin of stealing his goblet, and what he is trying to do, he's putting the pieces together. He's like colliding it. We're going to have all the pieces of the sale of Yosef. They're children of Rachel, children of Leah. What do you do now? Real tshuva, the Rambam says, is when you are faced with the exact same situation, with the exact same ability, and you make another choice. So what he's trying to do for the whole parsha is to get his brothers to do tshuva and make another choice. It's not enough to say, I'm sorry, the, ch- the, the, the real tshuva comes and Reuven's also going to be helping in this, in this effort according to Chazidus. The real tshuva comes when we aren't just sad because we got caught, where we understand that what we did was inherently wrong. We're in the position to do it again and we don't. And with that cliffhanger, that is sort of the end of our parsha for today. Um, we're a little bit out of time. I want to give us, I want to give us a bracha, and 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 we're gonna find that this this uh, this parsha is the beginning of the reconciliation of the brothers, and we're gonna talk next week more about why that's, what is the historical the historical ramifications of that. Um, but I want to give us a bracha. We're coming, you know, we still have one more night of Hanukkah tonight. Um, and, and my bracha for all of us is, not just us here around the table, but for all of us in this country and in this world, is that we should have the reunification of all the brothers together. Mm-hmm. That, just like I was, <laughs> just like I was blessed to have my son come home. Everybody's sons should come home. Their sons and their daughters. And for ourselves, all the pieces of ourselves that are fractured should come back together. All the parts of ourselves that are we've dismissed or ignored, it's time to bring it all back. It's time to bring all of those pieces together. We're ready for Mashiach. Mm-hmm. Bring it on, man. Amen. Amen. Have an awesome night today.